you think of when you hear the word membership? Uh, maybe you think of something sensible and serious like AA membership or RAC membership, uh, the sort of membership that you just have in place for a rainy day that you hope you never have to use. Or maybe you think of something a bit more fun, like golf club membership or gym membership or something like that. Maybe you think of EU membership, but we're not going to go there this morning. Maybe you think of the creme de la creme of membership. I am, of course, talking about membership of Dobby's Garden Centre. <laughs> Dobby's Club and Dobby's Club Plus for only £10 a month, two free hot drinks a month, a birthday treat each year, and 10% off bulbs, seeds, and plants year on year. This is the stuff of dreams. And I know that some of you uh, enjoy your membership of Dobby's Club very much. We normally become members of organizations based on need or based on our enjoyment or based on um, the perceived benefits that we can get out of that membership. And this morning, we're going to be thinking about another kind of membership. We're going to be thinking about church membership. And if you've been uh, around Charlotte Chapel for any length of time, you know that we talk about church membership quite a lot. Even this morning, we've had an encouragement to go to the Connect Corner if you're not already a member. We let you know when membership classes are running throughout the year, and we love to welcome new members at our services from time to time. But I know that in a room of this size, um, people are going to be in different situations when it comes to church membership. For a good number of you, uh, you've been members of this church for a long time. And your membership interview maybe feels like a long time ago. This is not maybe something that you've thought about for a while. And so I hope that this morning is a bit of a refresher for you. And maybe you're not a member of any church. And in fact, it's not really that high up on your priorities. You've got other things to do that are more pressing, other things on the to-do list. Or maybe you've thought about church membership, but you've decided that it's not for you. Uh, you're a Christian. Uh, you're part of the universal church, you know, the church throughout the ages and across the nations made up of every true Christian. Why do I need local church membership? That's a bit formal, a bit institutionalized, a bit rigid. Don't fence me in like that. I don't need that sort of stuff. Maybe you have thought about church membership, um, but there are things in your life, things in your past that you think, if people knew about that, there is no chance that they'd let me become a member of this church. It is better for me just to keep quiet, fly under the radar, stay on the edge. Maybe you've been a member of a church before, but you were hurt pretty badly. It didn't go very well. And you don't want to become a member of another church and risk opening yourself up to that kind of pain again. Once bitten, twice shy. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're never normally in church on a Sunday and you're wondering, what on earth is he talking about? Well, I hope that it'll become much clearer by the end of this morning. So why do we as a church think that church membership is such an important thing? Well, I want to give you three reasons this morning. And the first reason is this. Church membership is biblical. And that's my starting point because 
if we can't see local church membership in the Bible, then what's the point of talking about it? We're just wasting our time. So let's start by looking at Hebrews chapter 13, and we're going to read verse 17. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. It says this, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. This passage makes no sense at all without local church membership. Here's what I mean. Without church membership, who are these church leaders watching over? Without church membership, who are they actually meant to be given an account for? It surely can't be the universal church. Surely individual elders here in Edinburgh aren't accountable for Christians in churches in Melbourne, Australia. Surely as an elder in 2019, I'm not accountable for Christians who are part of the medieval church or who are going to be part of church plants that happen after I die. The backdrop to this passage has to be local church membership. These people must have formally agreed in some way to gather together, to commit together in church membership and be accountable to specific elders. Let me give you another example. Have a look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. On the, in the church Bibles, that's page 1147. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, there's a, a bad situation going on here in this passage. In verse 1, we see it's been reported that there's sexual immorality in the church. And then if we go down to verse 11, it says, But now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler, do not even eat with such people. Now look with me at verse 13. What is the church to do with these sexually immoral people? Did you see it? Paul tells the church to expel the immoral brother from among you. Once again, this instruction makes no sense unless church membership is in view here. How can you expel somebody from your church if they have not previously been brought into membership of your church? A pupil of Firhill High School cannot be expelled from Firhill High School unless they have been enrolled in Firhill High School at some point previously. In the same way, if church membership doesn't exist, if it's not the pattern of scripture, how can you expel someone? And if other members are told not to associate with this man, as, as we see in verse 11, there's an assumption that members need to understand who, who the members are. There's a, an assumption that it's public knowledge who are members and who are not members of this local church. And so we believe in church membership in Charlotte Chapel, firstly, because it's in the Bible. It's, it's a biblical thing. There are plenty more examples we could go to, but I'm not 
uh, going to take up any more of our time on that. In fact, this summer, some of our young people were at a youth conference called Contagious, and in one of their sessions, they looked through 111 verses that included the word church, and I think from memory, about 100 of them were related specifically to the local church. There are plenty of places that we could go. Now, is there a verse that we can point to that says, thou shalt become a church member? No. But there is a clear and consistent pattern of local church membership in Scripture that shows how Christians are to organize themselves on a local level. The second reason that I want to give you this morning about church membership being a, a good thing is this. Church membership is beneficial. Church membership is beneficial. You see, being a member of a local church actually does us the world of good. Let me give you three instances of where we see this in Scripture. Here's the first one. Church membership benefits us in everyday life. Just in our everyday life, church membership benefits us. Listen to this instruction that Peter gives to the elders of the churches he's writing to in 1 Peter chapter 5. This is what he says. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. And then listen to this. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Peter's instructing these elders to be shepherds of the flock, the local church that's under their care. These elders are to serve the church members willingly, they're to be examples, and um, they are to make sure that they um, don't pursue dishonest gain, that they are to do it in a good manner. As members of Charlotte Chapel, we benefit day to day and year to year from having godly men serve as elders who have willingly chosen to serve us, watch over us, shepherd us, be an example to us. Another, another benefit of church membership is that it helps us in fighting sin. Church membership provides uh, me with a way of uh, dealing with you if you sin against me, and you with a way of dealing with me if I sin against you. So let's look at Matthew chapter 18 on page 985, and we'll see this played out there. Matthew chapter 18, page 985 in the church Bibles. This is what verses 15 to 17 say. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Some of you have maybe been in church situations where sin has not been dealt with properly. People have fallen out and uh, instead of resolving it, an awkward distance has arisen between the people or a, a kind of simmering tension in the church or maybe in fact the church has split. Here's the thing, sin spreads when you have a sloppy approach to church membership and church discipline. 
But you see, church membership is a really beneficial thing because it gives us a plan to tackle sin in the church, a plan that gets progressively more serious and more public the more it goes on until it's taken to the elders and then taken to the church and then ultimately the person is removed from membership, treating them like a pagan or a tax collector. In other words, treating them like a sinner. You see, removing someone from membership is a serious thing. Essentially, we're saying, right, because of this persistent sin, this unrepentant sin, we can't affirm your profession of faith. We can't now say that you're a Christian. You may be, but we can't based on the evidence in front of us. God has given us a specific local family to belong to for our good and for the good of others in the fight against sin. Here's another example of why church membership benefits us. It's this, it benefits us in the difficult times. For example, if you look with me at 1 Timothy chapter 5, page 1193. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 3 says, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. Paul then gives some criteria about which widows can be added to a care list. And this is what he says in verse 9. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she is over 60, has been faithful to her husband, and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. Paul's essentially saying to Timothy, Timothy, within your church membership list, there needs to be another list, a care list. There's a group of widows within this larger church membership list, and within that group of widows, there's another group of widows who need particular care. And Paul is saying to Timothy, you need to be organized, Timothy. You need to have this list so that these women can be taken care of. And we have this arrangement in our church too. Within the membership list, we have specific people facing particular challenges that we're taking care of and paying special attention to. People that we make sure as elders, we're either following up or there's other members within the church that are following up. People that we're praying about together as we meet as elders. People that we're praying about on our own as we work through the membership directory. Now, do some situations slip through the net? Are there some people that we hear about secondhand? Of course there are. Uh, we're not all knowing, we're not all wise, we're not everywhere all the time. But we've got a far better chance of caring for each other in the hard times when we have a list of people who have said that they want to be belong to Charlotte Chapel and within that list to have people that we're paying particular attention to as they face particular challenges. So church membership is biblical, church membership is beneficial and the third reason that I want to give you to recommend church membership to you is this, church membership is beautiful. Church membership is beautiful. Now, I know that's maybe not the first word that comes to mind with all this talk of lists and expelling people and um, you know, dealing with sin and all that kind of stuff. But church membership lived out is a beautiful thing. In the New Testament, there's 59 instructions about how people in a church are meant to treat one another. 
For example, love one another, John 13. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, Romans 12. Honor one another above yourselves, Romans 12. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you, Romans 15. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, Ephesians 4. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another, Colossians 3. Encourage one another daily, Hebrews 3. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds, Hebrews 10. Live in harmony with one another, 1 Peter 3. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling, 1 Peter 4. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, 1 Peter 5. Now often these instructions are given in the New Testament because the people concerned are not actually following these instructions about how they're to treat one another. But when church members live out these instructions with each other, it is beautiful. There's no other word for it. So when members get alongside another member who's living in an unwise or an ungodly way and pursue, pursue these people, that's a beautiful thing. When an older member and a younger member sit down after a service and, and, and talk about what they learned and what they were challenged by from the service, that is a beautiful thing. When church members give money to the fellowship fund to take care of other members who are in need, that is beautiful. When church members fall out, but don't leave a distance between themselves, but actually come together and work things out and forgive each other and move on, that is a beautiful thing. When different people from different nations and different backgrounds and different ages come together in a way that they never would normally in any other situation, but do because of church membership and, and serve together and love each other and are in growth groups together and spend time with one another, that's a beautiful thing. When long-standing members help new members to feel integrated into the life of the church, again, that is beautiful. When members help elderly members get to hospital appointments or come along to the seniors lunch, that's a beautiful picture of church membership. When members organize themselves to take meals to shell-shocked new parents and sit them down and say, it's going to be all right, it gets better, it gets easier. That's a beautiful thing. When unmarried people and divorced people and widowed people experience family and love and care and support and are included in a church family, that is a beautiful thing, a beautiful picture of church membership. You see, it's always been God's plan to show the world his glory through not just individuals, but through a group of people. That's why we read in Genesis chapter 12 earlier about God's promise to Abraham and his descendants that they'd be more numerous than the stars in the sky 
and the sand on the seashore. If we'd continued to, to read on into Exodus, we'd have seen God's dealings with a nation called Israel, made up of 12 tribes. And within these 12 tribes, yes, there were hundreds of thousands of people, but they had this one corporate identity. And this is made even clearer when we think about some of the language that the Old Testament uses to describe Israel. Israel is described as God's vine in Isaiah and Nahum. It's described as God's flock in Ezekiel. And these images are a picture of what God would do in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and through his church. A church that Jesus has said he will build and the gates of hell will not overcome it. A universal church that is made up of lots and lots of local churches like ours, little outposts, little embassies that represent Jesus Christ to the nations around them. It's a beautiful thing, church membership, when it's lived out. Let me speak to you for a moment if you are a member of this little embassy of Christ known as Charlotte Chapel. There were a number of things that you agreed to when you became a member. You signed up to our doctrinal statement. Uh, you committed to be in regular attendance on a Sunday in midweek. You committed to the worship and the work of the chapel using your gifts to the full. You agreed to live in a way that's consistent with your Christian profession and the teaching of the Bible. And you said that you submitted to the pastoral discipline and care of the elders. I wonder for some of you whether you can even remember making those commitments that's so long ago. I wonder how you're getting on with living out these commitments. As we head into this new term, this is a good time to reflect on what meaningful membership might look like for you in the weeks and months ahead. Some churches read out the commitments that they've made to each other on a regular basis at their church member meetings. We don't do that here, but imagine if we were to ask someone who knows you, uh, does my membership of Charlotte Chapel look like it means something to me? Do I come across like I'm more committed to my gym membership than my church membership? Uh, do I come across like my Dobby's Garden Club membership is more important to me than my church membership? What would they say if we asked them? Something to reflect on for you this afternoon. Let me speak to you if you've never thought about church membership before or you've not thought much about it. Hopefully, this morning has given you some food for thought. Maybe you're not a member yet because um, it's quite a big church and uh, you kind of look around and think, Everyone seems to have known themselves for years and uh, how would I get to know people? They all seem to know each other so well. I want to debunk that myth for you this morning. And if you're at the nine o'clock service, you're not to shout out the answer, okay? I checked this morning, right? We have 593 members in this church, right? Now, here's my question to you. How many people have been members of this church for less than 10 years? I looked it up, 296. And the mathematicians amongst us will be able to tell us that that is 49.9% of our membership 
have been here for less than 10 years. Basically, 50% of us have been here less than 10 years, and 50% of us have been here more than 10 years. Now, you might say that 10 years, that's still quite a long time. People have still known each other for a while. So, here's another question then. How many people do you think have been members for five years or less? The answer to that is 209, 35%. So basically, about a third of our church family have been here for less than five years. The bottom line is, if you're new here, you're in good company. So come and join us. New people are a blessing. You're very welcome to think about church membership here with us. And your next step would be, again, as Paul said, to go to the Connect Corner and find out more about how to become a member here. There's a class next Sunday. Let me speak to you if you're uh, reluctant to join with us as a member or in any other uh, gospel preaching church because you've been hurt in the past and it's still quite raw and it's still quite painful. I recognize that going through uh, difficult experiences makes us reluctant to go through experiences that kind of remind us of how we've been hurt in the past. I understand that. People are unkind, uh, including Christians. It's a sad truth. I would want to as lovingly and kindly say to you, don't tar every Christian and every uh, every church with the same brush. You're right to take your time to find out more about this particular church. But my question to you would be, without wanting to downplay the pain that you've gone through, how long do you need to find out about us? Six months? 26 Sundays? A year? 52 Sundays? I would say test drive us for a little while, but don't test drive us forever. You'd never do that with a car, would you? You'd never test drive a car for a while and then wait. Imagine the, the showroom phoning you up after a few weeks. Hello, can we get our car back? And you say, no, no, I'm hoping to test drive for a bit longer. There's a lovely little, little harbor in Naples I, I just thought I'd drive, drive down to. There's this road up in the north of Scotland, the northwest 500, 500 miles. Quite fancy doing that in a few months' time. I've never been to Silverstone. I'd love to see how fast your car goes. Can I keep it a bit longer? You'd never do that. So test drive us for a while. But don't test drive us forever. If everyone did that, there'd be no church. There'd be nobody organized to welcome and to serve tea and coffee. Nobody organized to look after your children. Nobody to count the money. Nobody to preach. All the things that you appreciate from the outside looking in only happen because people have checked us out and decided to join up formally as members of our church. Let me speak to you if you're putting off membership because there are things in your life, wrong things that you've done that you just think, no, if they find out, there's no way, no way I could become a member. They wouldn't let me. I want to give you a Bible passage for you to reflect on. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and following says this. Husbands, love your wives. And here's the bit I want you to focus on. Just as Christ loved the church, And gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing 
by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Every man, woman, and child that has ever lived is filthy because of sin, stained with sin, dead in our sins, the Bible says. And the only people that we can blame are ourselves. We're guilty before a holy God and we deserve his punishment and his judgment and his wrath. But did you notice the beautiful thing about those verses? Who loves the church? Jesus loves the church. He loves his people and he gave himself up for his people, his bride, the church. Now, how did he give himself up? Well, he died for the church. All of our sin was placed on him. He took on himself in our place and bore our punishment. And what did we get in return for that? Well, verse 26 tells us, we're made holy, we're cleansed, our sins are washed away and we're free from all blame. We're blameless. Do you believe that? Have you said sorry for your sins? Are you trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you made that public by, by getting baptized? Your answer to that determines whether you can become a member of a church or not. Not whether you've got a past. If you've got a past, welcome to the club. Know this, Jesus died for sinners like you and like me and we can be cleansed and we can be made holy and blameless. And praise God for Jesus who died for people who've got a past and makes them clean and makes them a people for himself, his bride, the church. If you haven't trusted in Christ today, there's a little prayer in the bulletin that you can make use of. And there'll be people at the front after the service that would love to pray with you and talk with you more. Please do that today. Everything that I've said this morning can basically be summarized like this. Membership of the local church makes membership of the invisible church visible. Membership of a local church makes membership of the invisible church visible. It is entirely biblical. It is for your good. And it's a beautiful thing when it's lived out. Let's pray.